0: Thus, of the conditioned soul, Muktasya, of the liberated personality of Godhead, by Lakshanyam, different characteristics, vadami I will now speak, Te, unto you, virūḍha, opposing, Dharmino, whose two natures, Tata, my dear Uddhava, Stitayo, of the two who are situated, Eka Dharmini, in the one body which manifests their different characteristics. Translation, thus my dear Uddhava, in the same material body we find opposing characteristics such as great happiness and misery. That is because both the Supreme Personality of Godhead, who is eternally liberated as well as the conditioned soul are within the body, I shall now speak to you about their different characteristics. Do you want to hear the verse again?
1: Which verse is it?
0: Uh, this is verse number 1111.5. It said that the body, within the body, there are these opposites. There's great happiness and also great misery. Happen. They occur within the same body. Has anybody ever noticed that? Mm. Or is everyone always miserable or always happy? <laughs> I noticed
1: that. is very happy. And Jivatma is always miserable.
0: Yeah, so here, the translation again. Thus, my dear Uddhava, in the same material body, we find opposing characteristics, such as great happiness and misery. That is because both the Supreme Personality of Godhead, who is eternally liberated, as well as the conditioned soul, are within the body. I shall now speak to you about their different characteristics. Purport. In verse 36 of the previous chapter, Uddevit inquired about the different symptoms of liberated and conditioned life. Srila Swami explains that the characteristics of bondage and liberation may be understood in two divisions, as the difference between the ordinary conditioned soul and the eternally liberated personality of Godhead, or as the difference between conditioned and liberated living entities in the deva category. The Lord will first explain the difference between the ordinary living entity and the supreme personality of Godhead, which may be understood as the difference between the controlled and the controlled. Okay, what did you hear? There's different living entities. One is the supreme and the other is the soul within the body. And then there's a division among souls, that is jivas, tour. some are called conditions and the others are liberated so there's different categories mentioned now this next verse is a you give me yoga block please yoga block next verse is a analogy it's helpful in understanding thank you an analogy that is uh, also mentioned in the Upanishads and is helpful in conceptualizing the situation of the souls, both the super soul and the individual soul. And uh, so <clears throat> the verse starts off with the words suparnal, now means the dual case in Sanskrit. So that means uh, two birds. Etao, these. sadrishau, similar. Sakyayao, friends. Yadrishaya, by chance. Etao, these two. Krita, made. Nidao, a nest. So <laughs> there's two birds in the nest. Cha and Riksha in a tree. Eka, one. Tayo, of the two. Kadati is eating, pipala, of the tree. Anam, the, the fruits. Anya, the other. Nirana, not eating. Api, although, balena, by strength. Buyan, he is superior. And here's the translation. By chance, two birds have made a nest together in the same tree. The two birds are friends and are of similar nature. One of them, however, is eating the fruits of the tree, whereas the other, who does not eat the fruits, is in a superior position due to his potency. Did everyone conceptualize that? What is the uh, basic idea? Two. Keep going.
1: There's two birds in a, uh, in a, I mean, essentially I'm just repeating what it says, but
0: Please there's just That's there's the
1: two, two birds that build a nest. Um, one of them is in a better position than the other um, because he's not eating the fruits of the tree. Is that what it said, I believe? Yeah. And then the, But they're friends, and they're very much alike, and they're in all other ways, they, they appear to be similar.
0: Very interesting. It explains a lot, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. Anything else? So I can say that uh, those uh, bird which uh, doesn't eat the fruit of this tree is very joyful and uh, very peaceful,
1: and it means the fruits of the tree are bringing misery to those who are eating them. So, but those uh, another bird who is eating the fruit. It doesn't understand this,
0: mm. and, it, and he, it is, he is very miserable. And uh, but nevertheless, the uh, first bird, it,
1: uh, he waits until this uh, bird, another bird, will become uh, uh, satiated with uh, misery, and turns uh, his face to him. Exactly. Yeah.
0: Well done. Thank you you all hear the purple one? Yes. Okay? Yes. This yes.
1: is 11.11.5.
0: Yes, now we're on 11.11.6. 11, mm-hmm. The example of two birds in the same tree is given to illustrate the presence within the heart of the material body of both the individual soul and the super soul, the personality of Godhead. Just as a bird makes a nest in a tree, the living entity sits within the heart. The example is appropriate because the bird is always distinct from the tree. Similarly, both the individual soul and the super soul are distinct entities, separate from the temporary material body. The word balena indicates that the Supreme Personality God is satisfied by his own internal potency, which consists of eternality, omniscience, and bliss. As indicated by the word buyan or having superior existence, the Supreme Lord is always in a superior position, whereas the living entity is sometimes in illusion and sometimes enlightened. The word balena, balena, rather, indicates that the Lord is never in darkness or ignorance, but is always full in His perfect, blissful consciousness. Thus the Lord is Nirana or uninterested in the bitter fruits of material activities. Whereas the ordinary conditioned soul busily consumes such bitter fruits, thinking them to be sweet. Ultimately, the fruit of all material endeavor is death. But the living entity foolishly thinks material things will bring him pleasure. The word yao," or two friends, is also significant. Our real friend is Lord Krishna who is situated within our heart. Only He knows our actual needs and only He can give us real happiness. <clears throat> Lord Krishna is so kind that He patiently sits in the heart trying to guide the conditioned soul back home, back to Godhead. Certainly no material friend would remain with His foolish companion for millions of years. especially if his companion were to ignore him or even curse him. But Lord Krishna is such a faithful, loving friend that he accompanies even the most demoniac living entity and is also in the heart of the insect, pig, and dog. That is because Lord Krishna is supremely Krishna conscious and sees every living entity as part and parcel of himself. Every living being should give up the bitter fruits of the tree of material existence. One should turn one's face to the Lord within the heart and revive one's eternal loving relationship with one's real friend, Lord Krishna. The word sadrashal, or of similar nature, indicates that both the living entity and the personality of Godhead are conscious entities. As part and parcel of the Lord, we share the Lord's nature, but in infinitesimal quantity. Thus the Lord and the living entity are sadrashal, a similar statement is found in the Shvetashvatara Upanishad for 6 dwa suprema sesu jeshthaya samana drishti pri parishthana jate tayur anya pitam svatyati sanasnan samyo uchakshasmiti There are two birds in one tree one of them is eating the fruits of the tree while the other is witnessing the action. The witness is the Lord and the fruit eater is the living entity. It's fascinating that the living entity becomes so externally focused that he forgets the presence of his best friend who's actually supplying everything. In the Gita, Krishna says, that the soul becomes bewildered and thinks that he's the doer of everything and doesn't understand how dependent he is. That's actually, by the Lord's arrangement, the material nature is carrying out the various functions of the body, and any, even uh, his various desires are being fulfilled through the agency of the material nature by the order of the Supreme Personality of God, who's within the heart. Somebody gets uh, divorced, and then there's uh, separation, but the, let's say that the... Uh, the person uh, who's sustaining them both uh, continues to support the divorcee, but uh, respecting the wishes of that person. Uh, he takes the, his name off all the checks and continues to send uh, support money anonymously. And it just comes without uh, the person's knowledge. And although they're being supported and supposedly divorced, still the breadwinner is sending uh, money and also making arrangements from behind the scenes to make sure that that person who's actually beloved to him is taken care of. But the other person has a different attitude than, you know, I don't. And then assumes that they're separated. Soul's in a similar situation thinking that I have nothing to do with the Supreme Personality of Godhead or doesn't even think there is a Supreme Personality of Godhead. And in the Bhagavad Gita, Krishna says, sarvasya chaham ham hami rishto ma paka cha that I am within everyone's heart and I arrange for remembrance, knowledge and forgetfulness. So there's a way that if a living entity wants to be divorced and forget about Krishna, then Krishna helps to, um, helps that living entity to forget. And, however, Krishna always goes on, even in those cases, anonymously supporting that uh, living entity. And Krishna uh, consciousness means really to remember one's friend within the heart. And Krishna says that once we attain that remembrance, we'll feel peaceful. <inaudible> Krishna says that I'm the enjoyer of the sacrifices, and I actually own everything, and I'm the best friend. So I'm supporting and it's through me to each each of us. And Krishna says somebody who knows this, these three aspects, then that person becomes happy by knowing the presence of the Supreme within the heart, who's supplying everything. Any comments or reflections? Okay, I'll read the next verse. Now to Godhead, who by his omniscience perfectly understands his own position and that of the conditioned living entity represented by the eating bird. That living entity, on the other hand, does not understand himself eternally conditioned. Whereas the personality of Godhead, being full of perfect knowledge, is eternally liberated. The word vidyamaya in this verse, vidyamaya, in this verse indicates the internal potency of the Lord and not the external potency, mahamaya. Within the material world, there is vidya, or material science, and avidya, or material ignorance. But in this verse, vidya means the internal spiritual knowledge by which the personality of God is fixed in omniscience. The example of two birds in a tree, which is given in many Vedic literatures, demonstrates the statement nityo nityanam. There are two categories of eternal living entities, namely the Supreme Lord and the minute jiva soul. The conditioned jiva soul, forgetting his identity as an eternal servant of the Lord, tries to enjoy the fruits of his own activities and thus comes under the spell of ignorance. This bondage of ignorance has existed since time immemorial and can be rectified only by one's taking to the loving devotional service of the Lord, which is full of spiritual knowledge. In conditioned life, the living entity is forced by the laws of nature to engage in pious and impious fruit of activities, but the uh, the liberated position of every living entity is to offer the fruits of his work to the Lord, the supreme enjoyer. It should be understood that even when the living entity is in a liberated condition, his knowledge is never equal in quantity to that of the Personality of Godhead. Even Lord Brahma, the supreme living entity within this universe, acquires only partial knowledge of the Personality of Godhead and his potencies. In Bhagavad Gita 4.5, the Lord explains his superior knowledge to Arjuna. The Blessed Lord said, Many, many births both you and I have passed. I can remember all of them, but you cannot, O subduer of the enemy. The term Buddha or bound, is also understood to refer to the living entity's eternal dependence upon the Lord. Either in the conditioned or liberated state. In the kingdom of Maya, the living entity is bound to the cruel laws of birth and death, whereas in the spiritual sky, the living entity is fixed in a bond of love to the Lord. Liberation means freedom from the miseries of life, but never freedom from one's loving relationship with the Lord, Krishna which is the essence of one's eternal existence. According to Srila Madhva the Lord is the only eternally free living entity and all other living entities are eternally dependent and bound to the Lord, either through blissful loving service or through the bondage of Maya. I'll read that again. According to Srila Madhva the Lord is the only eternally free living entity and all other living entities are eternally dependent and bound to the Lord, either through blissful loving service or through the bondage of mind. The conditioned soul should give up tasting the bitter fruits of the tree of material existence and turn to his dear most friend, Lord Krishna, who is sitting within his heart. There is no pleasure equal to or greater than the pleasure of pure devotional service to Lord Krishna. And by tasting the fruit of love of Krishna, The liberated living entity enters the ocean of happiness. Hare Krishna. Anything that, Hare Krishna. Anything you heard that you'd like to reflect back? Reflection means just anything that, uh, any of the concepts that struck you as being interesting or important.
1: I did not know that Vidyamaya uh, is also um, known as the internal potency of the Lord. Because that's the first statement in the purport. The mm-hmm. word Vidyamaya in this verse indicates the internal potency of the Lord and not the external potency, Mahamaya. That was nice. Yeah.
0: <laughs> In the Gita, Krishna describes how uh, all living entities are bewildered by this potency of maya. And it's according to their attitude that it's considered to be yoga maya or maha maya. For instance, when Vidura was insulted by Duryodhana. Duryodhana was under the influence of Mahamaya because of his disobedience to Krishna and his hatred towards Vidura and the other Vaishnavas and the Pandavas. He was covered by the Lord's external energy. In in the instance related in the Bhagavatam Duryodhana Duryodhan berates Vidura because Vidura wanted to make peace and with the Pandavas and he was urging him to do so. He was urging Duryodhana to stop this inimical, the inimical practices towards the Pandavas and, and make peace. But uh, this angered Duryodhana even more. So that's when he, he chastised Vidura and threatened him, actually, in his own house. Told him that he was actually not really part of the family. Great insult. So Vidura then reacted, right? Do you remember what he did? He just left. He just walked out and symbolically he left his, his bow, because he was a kshatriya, at the uh, doorstep meaning that I'm out and and he left and Prabhupada relates in the purport that actually when Duryodhana had screamed at him Vidura was inspired in his heart to go on pilgrimage and see Krishna and just be uh, free to remember Krishna and go to all the holy places And uh, this was a perfect opportunity. Have you ever been in that situation where you've been thinking about doing something for a while, and then there's an incident that happens where you realize, okay, that's it. Now's the time. And that was Vidura's reaction, which was to take shelter of Krishna in, in the way that he could right then, which was to go on pilgrimage and just leave the family so he was influenced, in that same instance, by the internal potency of Krishna, Yogamaya. And Duryodhana was influenced by Mahamaya. So Krishna's potency is always there, but yeyatamam prapadyante mamavart manavartam te He reciprocates according to the, our attitude towards him if my attitude develops in such a way by the association of devotees that that I'm inclined to surrender to Krishna then Krishna facilitates that mm-hmm. Krishna says I'm there within the heart and for those who are sincere about serving me I give the intelligence how they can come to me whereas the, those who are inimical towards Krishna. He gives facility, as he says in the 16th chapter, uh, Tamaham. He says that I, I push them downward to fulfill their desire to be separated from me. So it's not that he's punishing anybody per se. Actually, the living entity, according to his desire, is receiving the exact reciprocation that uh, is coming from Krishna. so uh, that's a revelation that we are responsible we're responsible for what happens to us ultimately and Krishna mentions this in the 15th chapter of the bhagavad-gita that's it. the kinds of reactions we're getting from, from the material nature are not uh created by him they're coming from the external energy and that and the reason there are reactions is because of the living entity's relationship with material nature and so when somebody comes to knowledge which means to understand Krishna is within the heart he's reciprocating with me then uh, one can uh, Krishna says uh, feel enlightened, just as when the sun comes up. And then you see everything the way it is, actually, and there's no more difficulty or problem. In fact, in one of the most important verses in the Bhagavatam, spoken by uh, uh, Haviyogendra, vini dvitiya vinibeishutasya ishar abhetasya vibharya yasmiti tanvayotan buddha-abhujetan bhaktyaikeyeshan buddhudevatabha Haviyogendra says, that uh, when the living entity becomes turned around, turns its head around and is not facing Krishna anymore because of this attitude of independence, then fear arises. He sees uh, that there's something separate from the Lord. There is nothing separate from the Lord, but he sees something separate, and that energy is called maya, that which is not. There is no... Uh, separation from the Lord, but he sees separation and therefore he sees darkness and uh, in darkness there's fear. And then the solution is given Tanmayatam buddha buddha deva One pointedly one should think of Krishna and serve the Guru and by doing that then one rectifies the situation because situation of fear and darkness is created only by turning away from Krishna and forgetting him. There there is no other cause. Therefore, any other kind of remedial measure is only partial. That's why in the Bhagavatam, the demigods praying to Lord Krishna within the womb say, that any kind of uh, situation uh, one tries to enact in order to free oneself from the influence of the material nature that is any way that one tries to become liberated that doesn't include reestablishing one's relationship with Krishna who specifically mentioned him as lotus aside will be ineffectual. And then eventually, one will, although one may think oneself liberated one will eventually fall down from that situation. A Krishna Parampadam Tata Patantyada again one falls back down, uh, uh, even after thinking that one's attained a liberated situation. And Prabhupada says in his Purport to that first that that might, that includes all kinds of endeavors, I, uh, for instance, someone may work very hard to become a powerful politician. Have you ever known anyone to work very hard to become a powerful politician? Everyone. Everyone. Yeah. And in fact, in the Brahma Sutta, yet bhava bhavitariyamana jistatayasam prapya rupo mahima saniya nibusha suttarjaneva nidamaputtayistanti govinda mahi purushottama humbochami. Brahma is mentioning how. Everyone tries for some position, and that position is eventually awarded by Krishna's grace. It's all his arrangement, ultimately, to, to put somebody in a particular position. And people endeavor for different positions, thinking, of course, that it's going to bring me happiness. Otherwise, why would they do it? It would be counterintuitive, right? What are some other ways that people endeavor to get some, to, to achieve some kind of position in the world where they would find uh, some autonomy and uh, happiness or, uh, or liberation? What's the most common way you find, we we see in, in human society? Just trying to make a bunch of
1: money?
0: Yeah, trying to make a bunch of money. So what are some of the ways that people do that? How do you have to set yourself up to get a bunch of money? Education. Education. That's one of the big things. It's a... uh, In the verse I just quoted, it says, Aria kristraina. Kristraina means really hard work. Like to become a doctor. Any doctors in here? Okay, I can speak freely. (laughs) Surprising. It's a really hard profession. I mean, you have to go to school for 10, 12 years. Residency means you have to hang around in a hospital for years as an underling, and just observe what's going on. And I think they make them stay up 48 hours without any sleep for some reason. Apparently that emulates the situation of people working in these medical situations. Then of course, even after that, when you get the job, then you gotta be in a hospital all the time. I don't know about you, but <laughs> it's not my favorite place to hang out. That's Critch trainer It's really hard work. But whatever position one gets in the material world, through uh, one's personal endeavor, that one thinks that now I'm going to be liberated. Okay, as you mentioned, I get a bunch of money. So for some time, well, one may have a slightly more advantageous situation, but... Ultimately, it, it doesn't satisfy because whatever, wherever you go, there you are, as the Buddhists say. It's, it's our, ultimately our internal state that determines how happy we are in the world. Even sociological studies have shown that after a certain amount of money um, and, a, and a certain modicum of wealth, shelter, everything that's on Maslow's hierarchy of needs going up the pyramid, once you get to a certain level, Getting more material facility doesn't help. In fact, people who are super rich oftentimes feel more mm. oppressed than anybody, because at least poor people have hope that once I become rich, then I'll be happy. <laughs> <laughs> but rich people know <laughs> that I'm already there, <laughs> and, and uh, something's wrong. So it's probably you were going to say. Yeah, I read
1: somewhere that very uh, yeah, good. I read somewhere that uh, money doesn't make you happy, but gives you key to happiness. So uh, is, it, is it that it gives you access to wealth, power, prestige, and uh, you know a lot of uh, people bowing down in front of you? Is that what it means? or a, And that has a limit. I think this is what you're trying to say. There's a limit to it.
0: Yeah, it's an energy. And unless you know how to use that energy, just like electricity is an energy. It's a bit light came on, by the way. When I said electricity, it just came on. Is it still on? Yeah. Let me try it again. Electricity. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, When when you're using electricity, it's like we have light in this room. It's extremely important. Thank you, Happy Prabhu, for coming. Hare Krishna. Krishna. Well, electricity is a powerful energy, but it has to be harnessed in order to be useful. And in order to harness it, you have to, Know what you're doing. People who climb up the telephone poles, of course, in, your, in India you can go up barefoot in the rain, it doesn't matter. But at least in America, you know, there's, there's, a, lot, there's, a, lot, there's a lot of uh, training and certification involved in, in learning how to climb up on high powered telephone wire poles uh, because it's a dangerous energy to deal with. And uh, money is, all, is like that also. So people who, for instance, win the lottery, it, they're notorious for getting crushed by the energy. In fact, there have been multiple studies and books written uh, that trace people who have won lottery and then have become dysfunctional. They were already a little dysfunctional. Then they became super dysfunctional right after by getting that much energy. So the point is, with money, unless you know how to spend it, you have a, a cause to spend it on, and you know how to handle it, and wh- you know what its purpose is. Welcome back. Thank you. He comes in every night at this time and eats the mosquitoes, whichever. It's a slim picking, so feel bad for him. <laughs> so, so if you don't know how to if you don't know how to handle the energy, then then you become crushed by it. And that's what happens to, to the jiva in in the world. All the energies become overwhelming for him or her. And the ultimate uh, insult is death, because I think everything's under control. For those who totally forget about Krishna, like Prabhu's class this morning was very much towards this point of, remember, this is what we're supposed to be doing as We have to practice remembering the Narayan. That's the purpose of the human body is. It's The human body is meant, we're meant to keep it healthy and balanced just so that we can prepare ourselves uh, to leave the body properly. It's meant to be engaged. The energies are meant to be engaged. So on this topic, ariya kriksha I have an idea as little jiva, you know, somehow or other I'm going to beat the system and I'm going to get ahead and I'm going to find my own way to liberation that avoids surrender to the Supreme Personality of Godhead. So the demigods are saying to Lord Krishna within the moon in the form of a prayer that unless one comes to the position of loving service to you, Krishna, that all the ideas, the myriad ideas that I'm going to get ahead and find independence by my own, on my own means. Rui Krishna, you're going to work really hard at it. And then what? Paramhana, you're going to fall back down again. And that's the plight of living entity in the material world. As Krishna says, Shinye punye martyalokam vishante in the Bhagavad Gita. Those who are elevationists, they try to find a way to Elevate themselves in the material world one way or another through karma kanda. There's a, there are hymns in the Vedic literatures through which, and sacrifices through, there's one over here, through which, um, can, elevate oneself according to the laws of material nature. However, uh, one falls back down again after that punya is used up. So, the only, viable. And of course, it's 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 not a um, bleak proposition. It's joyful. It's a reunion with our best friend, who is the source of all energies, and who's the most beautiful. So the demigods say, <laughs> uh, Unless one reestablishes that relationship with the Supreme, then uh, one didn't get any liberation at all. In fact, you just the reward of all that is gonna be that you work very, very hard, and then you fall back down. And that's, that's uh, what happens in the material world. It's a sad story, isn't it? You feel sad? Yes. to hear this? Say yes. So, yeah. yes. yes. You feel very sad. And it's a sad story, but it can be rectified. There's a, there's a happy ending to all this, and that is that by uh, applying uh, one's common sense and remembering the supreme personality of Godhead and seeing that I'm no match for the material nature. And then just uh, voluntarily surrender, surrendering to Krishna. This is a good idea. It's a really good idea. And that it takes courage, actually, to go against the system and say, OK, um, I know everybody else is going the opposite way, but I'm going to surrender to Krishna. Then one becomes a great hero. And uh, we're just talking about the verse from the 11th canto, where Krishna um, is speaking to Uddhava, and he describes how the body is like a tree. And in the tree, there's two birds. One bird is the eating bird, which is living entity. And there are fruits on the tree that are uh, of three qualities, the goodness, passion, and ignorance. However, through combinations and permutations, just like when I grew up, there was only three kites of ice cream. There was vanilla, chocolate, and strawberry. That's it. Until one day, we got the news. Baskin Robbins. Oh. 31 flavors. My brother and I, we were just kids. And we're like, this is heaven. <laughs> and we went down with my parents, and they said, choose. And we're like, it took us half an hour to choose, like, did you get the right one? I don't know if you had it. what'd you get? And so the little little eating bird in there is seeing the combinations and permutations of the modes of material nature. It's all the same thing. It comes from one substance per don, and that gets divided up through a process just like when you take milk, one product, and then you apply a coagulating agent, and then it becomes Another thing, you can make yogurt, you can make curds. Curds is called yogurt, and very confusing. So you can make yogurt from yogurt. You can make uh, butter, uh, ghee. It, It extends outwardly. So similarly, the material nature is actually one thing. But through sleight of hand, we get many varieties. It's all the same stuff and it never satisfies us. It's an inferior energy. It's energy that's been separated and separated by consciousness. So unless one uh, knows the categories of energies and realizes one's good fortune, that uh, one's best friend has one's best interest in mind, and then gives oneself to service to one's friend, Krishna, who's within the heart, then there's no other, that, that didn't make sense. I'll try to speak English. When one surrenders, then uh, one finds that one gets the taste one was looking for, which is a loving relationship with the Supreme Personality of Godhead. What other points do you would you like to extract out of this conversation? We have a lot of power in this room uh, to to churn this topic and just go a couple other uh, create a couple other shades. What would you like to do with it? Yes.
1: Uh, in the last uh, shloka, the how smartly the Mahabharata philosophy is they refused. Like uh, the jiva is attracted by the fruits of the tree, but uh, the Pramatma is not attracted by the fruits so it proves the, it proves that how krishna never comes under the modes of material nature and maya and uh, in, the, in the in the purport of this shloka it is said that uh, the living entity is eternally bound either through the loving service of the lord or through the maya so it also proves that how uh, maya is uh, energy of krishna yeah
0: and because krishna is always beyond the Touch of the modes of the na- material nature, we achieve our highest benefit by remembering Him and worshipping Him. This is mentioned in many places, but one notable place is in the Srimad Bhagavatam, first canto, second chapter. So this verse is very uh, encouraging. Would you like to hear an encouraging verse? Yes. <laughs> okay, so. it says that previously munio ta means previously so previously the munis or great thinkers and sages worshiped the supreme personality of godhead why? because he's adhoksaja he's beyond the uh, the touch of the material nature sattvam bishudham shemaya shemaya means the highest benefit so because he's satvan bishudham, he's completely pure, he's untinged by the modes of material nature. Previously, the sages worshipped him to attain the highest benefit of life. Now comes the part that you're going to really like. Even though that was done previously by great sages, even now, anyone, doesn't matter who, who can follow in the footsteps of those sages and do the same thing they did can, you can follow their path and worship the Supreme Personality of Godhead, and you will get the same result they did, which is attain the ultimate benefit. You may not be a great sage, but if you follow the great sages, you also become qualified. This, is, this same idea is mentioned again in the 10th canto, second chapter, by uh, the demigods praying to Lord Krishna with him the womb when they uh <clears throat> say that uh shakila septvada ni samadhi dabeshi to chaita sike, twa padapotena mahakritena kurvanti kovatsapadam bababdin. That the uh, the source of everything is Krishna. And the goal of life is to be absorbed in thought of him. And then means that when one follows those who are already in that state of remembrance of Krishna, then the troubling ocean of material nature shrinks, and it becomes the size of the water contained within the hoof print of a little calf. And then one can step over it very easily. This is the the power of following in the footsteps of the acharyas, finding out what they did and then emulating their work, which is also what's mentioned by Rupa Goswami, Satovrate, one should follow the various ways in which the great teachers of bhakti, who are luminaries, they're luminaries, they're self-effulging, if one follows their system. And also it's mentioned that those sages, for for their own uh, benefit, they set up a system. It's like gardeners. they always set up a system so that gardens taken care of perfectly. And because they have a system for themselves, they also leave it behind for others so others can follow and emulate them. And it's very those systems are cl- clearly enunciated in their, in their writings and teachings. And so one can just pick them up, follow them, and you're gonna get the same result. Good, right? Yes. Okay. There you go. Okay. Who else wants to try to churn this just a little more? Get extra points uh, if it takes it to Slightly a level?
1: more to that what you mentioned. Yes. You said you just follow and you know, you do the things. Correct. But if it were to be that easy, then everyone you know, would uh, you know be successful at least in Krishna consciousness? But that's not the case.
0: Yeah. Not even, even though they're following. You know, you could always do it the easy way or the hard way. <laughs> Did you ever hear that one? <laughs> yeah. Like policemen will say this, and you, you can do this the easy way or the hard way. <laughs> <laughs> so, actually, it is really easy. Let me explain how. Let's just say you're poor, and then a person who's very rich comes to your house. And he brings, is it he? Is it she? It's she a comes she. over with a huge bag of money and says, uh, I brought this for you. Now, and extends it through the door, the open door. And then you have two choices, right? Am I? Yes. Is that true? Okay, what are the two choices? Let's, let's go, let's review these. Number one is? Accept. Okay, you made it in one word, that's good. And how are you going to make the other word? Okay. The other or one not. Is, reject. Deny. Okay, so you can accept or reject. Is that simple? It's binary. <laughs> so, <laughs> you can accept or <laughs> reject, right? So that's, that's the simplicity of devotional service because Krishna, in essence, he's saying in the Bhagavad Gita, look at it, I'm going to handle all your affairs. You don't worry about a thing. Not, not even a little thing, don't worry about a thing. I'll take care of everything. Now, what are your two choices? Let's review the two choices. Of course, except no, no, just two words involved oh. here. Two words, uh, binary. Two, two, accept or reject. Two. Correct. Yes. Simple. It's binary. That's it. That's the essence of Christian consciousness. You either accept or you reject. And so to the degree that I accept, it works. Ye <inaudible> man Krishna says, as you accept this, I'll just give you more. Mm-hmm. And as you reject it, then you'll notice for yourself that you're not getting exactly what you want and you may get frustrated in Krishna consciousness and say why are not I doing better I'm gonna do better and it's up to me to do it to surrender to Krishna we have that that capability at any time to say I'm gonna take the bag and I'll just grab onto it it doesn't require any extra training it just it's a, a visceral reaction, practically, to Krishna's offer. I'll take or don't take. Are you buying all this? Mm-hmm. What do you think? One last point? Yes.
1: Hare Krishna. Hare Krishna. Krishna. Uh, Prabhupada, you just uh, mentioned sometime back that uh, the three modes, the material nature is a separated energy of Krishna and uh, it's our consciousness which separates it. Can you please explain this? I didn't understand.
0: Well, in the Bhagavatam, Chakrasloki Bhagavatam, Krishna uh, it tells Brahma the entire Bhagavatam in four verses in one of the verses, in one of the verses, he says, that anything you see in this world that doesn't have a relationship to me, that's Maya. That's my illusory energy. Because everything has a relationship to Krishna. It all comes from Krishna. It's all part of Krishna. And there's a way in which I separate myself uh, by, ig- I'm separated by ignorance. But another way to say the word ignorance, spelled the same way, just enunciated differently, is ignorance. Have you ever been ignored before? Yes. Can you remember a time when you were ignored? I can remember. I'll raise my hand. I was once distributing books in San Francisco downtown all by myself, and so I was on a, a busy street, and. People coming, rushing up and down. Someone, there's a little knob somewhere that turns the mode up higher. <laughs> Somebody had their finger on the fingers on the knob. And they turned it way up high. So there was this. I just, I remember this man dressed for business. He was walking down the street uh, with a fairly brisk gait, and when I uh, tried to make a conscious connection with him. He didn't say no, he didn't avert his eyes. He looked the same direction, it it was as if I wasn't there. Like I didn't exist. And it, it, it actually had an effect on me, so much so that I had to look down to see if I was still there. That's how powerful ignorance is. It creates its own energy called Maya. And so when we ignore the Supreme Personality of Godhead, there's this pall that comes over us it's a darkness that uh, is created by ignoring, because when we ignore Krishna, we ignore ourselves because we're part parcel of Krishna. And we go into darkness automatically. And the, the solution to all problems then is maya haya andakara, uh, that if you remember, Krishna Surya Sam maya haya andakara, if you remember Krishna, it's like you just turn back to the sun and the light comes on and you go, know, like, here I am. I'm right here. I was here the whole time. But it's it's that third energy, Maya. Well, that's called the third energy, the living entities actually. But uh, there are three energies mentioned by the Vishnu Purana. Chaitanya Mahaprabhu quoted this verse to Sanatana Goswami when he said, uh, uh, Vishnu Shakti Maya. Vishnu Vishnu-shakti, uh, Shakti. Vishnu Shakti. Vishnu. Sorry. Maya um, Prokta, Shetargyakya Avidya Karma Shakti So three energies he said generally. One of them is the internal spiritual potency, the other is the living entity who is marginal. You can go either one and the other one is Maya, the external illusory energy that is created by Ignorance, and when I ignore Krishna, which is my prerogative as a free individual soul, I create this energy called Maya, or or a situation uh, which is uh, called darkness. Did that? Did that help? Okay. Yes, Prabhu
1: like you mentioned, accept and reject, two options. Yes. So, uh, I just wanted to give some self-realization here. During our uh, Seva devotional service that we do, when we are able to please the authority, so on the other day we do uh, chanting, we do very nice chanting. We feel much pleasant and uh, much concentration in focus in chanting also. And if someday we are not able to do Seva wholeheartedly or due to some, uh, you know, full of material modes or some other reasons. We are not able to satisfy or give our full and uh, other day we feel that that uh, pleasure is not there in the chanting. Also. So in that way also, yes. In that
0: way, give a really strong conclusive statement here. In is that like, way what?
1: We are accepting Krishna by giving our full, wholeheartedly oh. into devotional service, whatever service we have been assigned. Right. And if we are not giving our full, we are somehow rejecting the uh, our work, our, our part, our duty in the ocean service. And this is how, then the next day, we affect. it affects our chanting also, our consciousness also.
0: The ignorance takes over. Right. So this is very practical, what you're saying. Yes. That we could notice from a, on a day-to-day basis of, of how we're faring in our consciousness and we can trace it back to how we're applying ourselves or not applying ourselves and so forth, right? Thank you. It's important. Yeah, it, it requires, devotional service requires self-observation. It's quite interesting to note how one's doing. Like with any, any discipline, let's just say you, you wanted to get in physical shape and you want to lose weight. You have to, you have to get a scale. You can't lose weight without a scale. Did you know that? <laughs> Of course, you can gain a lot of weight when i it, because if you don't know how much you weigh, you can just like take an extra, an extra helping of everything, and it's like it's no big deal, until you try to put on a pair of pants and they don't fit anymore. So you know, it's just it, it it's it's very important to make progress in anything that we measure what we're doing, and we have to we have to be self observant to make progress. So in devotional service. We also have to observe, how am I doing And how am I doing it? Otherwise, we fall into this uh, process of niyamagraha. We were discussing it today. Yes, in most most religious traditions, uh, people uh, tend to uh, fall into a, a routine and forget why they're doing it. They may not be getting illumination from it. However, they may be getting other things, like um, they may be getting acknowledgement from the group, because groupthink is very powerful. Once you get into a group, sociologically, you want to be accepted. This is one of the needs of a human being. We have to be accepted by the group. We're social animals. We don't live by ourselves. We live with others. So we want to be accepted. So if it looks like we're going through the motions enough, like let's say you didn't even have uh, a bee bag, but you put your hand under a cloth and you just went like this, you could be accepted. <laughs> just keep the mask on and go like this, sit there for like an hour or a half. It's good, you know? <laughs> really advanced, sit there for a few hours. It doesn't necessarily mean you're making advancement. It just means you're getting some acceptance. And then you might say like, okay, that's, that's good enough for me then there you are. That's what you get. That's your lot in life. So you have to actually look and see, where's your scale that you pull out the step on and say, did I lose weight or not? It's like, why did I gain weight? It's like, yeah, well, you're eating twice as much. <laughs> you, you, you remember? You stayed up late last night, and you know you ate an extra 30 glutamines before you <laughs> Well, what do you expect? What do we expect? This is what the whole material world is. It's a it's a self-correcting environment where we get to see for ourselves what's happening, but we have to be we have to notice it. Otherwise, we just numb out to the actual purpose of the material nature and start thinking like it's just the way it is. No, it's not the way it is. It's a message. There there are uh, warning lights on the dashboard and all kinds of sensory input that we're getting that tells us like Here's what you're doing, here's what you should be doing instead. But you have to sometimes read the instructions, which come in the Bhagavad Gita in a handy 700 verses. That's all you need. Okay, uh, is everyone still okay? Yes. Can we read one more verse? Yes. Okay, here we go. We're up to number eight. And this is a conversation between Krishna and Uddhava. So Krishna speaking. One who is enlightened in self-realization, although living within the material body, sees himself as transcendental to the body, just as one who has arisen from a dream gives up identification with the dream body. A foolish person, however, although not identical with his material body, but transcendental to it, thinks himself to be situated in the body just as one who is dreaming sees himself as situated in an imaginary body. Purport, in Lord Krishna's discussion of the different characteristics of liberated and conditioned souls, the Lord first clarified the distinction between the eternally liberated personality of Godhead and the marginal potency. The innumerable jivas who are sometimes conditioned and sometimes the innumerable jivas who, I'm sorry, I'll try to speak English. Let's try it again. In Lord Krishna's discussion of the different characteristics of liberated and conditioned souls, the Lord first clarified the distinction between the eternally liberated personality of Godhead and the marginal potency, the innumerable jivas, who are sometimes conditioned and sometimes liberated. In this and the next nine verses, the Lord describes the different symptoms of liberated and conditioned jiva souls. In a dream, one sees oneself in an imaginary body, but upon waking, one gives up all identification with that body. Similarly, one who has awakened to Krishna consciousness no longer identifies with the gross or subtle material bodies, nor does he become affected by the happiness and distress of material life. On the other hand, a foolish person, kumati, does not awaken from the dream of material existence, and is afflicted with innumerable problems due to false identification with the gross and subtle material bodies. One should become situated in one's eternal spiritual identity, nityasvarup. By properly identifying oneself as an eternal servant of Krishna, one becomes relieved of his false material identity. And therefore the miseries of illusory existence immediately cease. Just as the anxiety of a troublesome dream ceases as soon as one awakens to his normal, pleasant surroundings. It should be understood, however, that the analogy of awakening from a dream can never be applied to the Supreme Personality of Godhead who is never an illusion. The Lord is eternally awake and and, and enlightened in his own unique category called Vishnu Tattva. Such knowledge is easily understood by one who is vidvan, or enlightened, in Krishna consciousness thank you very much everybody for coming we have a small parting gift for everyone